Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the Indie Incursion Podcast, your weekly podcast all about indie games, uh, the things you need to know, their creators, all that good stuff. I am the ghost formerly known as Von Hyde. I honestly, I've messed up that so many times. I've been like, my name is... Ah. Uh, who am I? And I'm like, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and today, as uh, as is like every week, uh, I'm joined by Josh. How you doing today, Josh? Doing well. We got the Not Trio back. Feels nice. Yeah, I'm right. Errol's not on the podcast this week. It's going to be an easy edit. I'm not worried. (laughs) (laughs) The two of us is very easy to edit these. It's just like putting them together and then it's like, oh yeah, edit out all the long pauses between the terrible jokes I make or something like that. (laughs) That sounds about right. (laughs) <laughs> my awkward transitions and shit yeah it's, it totally makes sense uh what what have you been playing this week uh so i had a long plane ride because i was luckily uh lucky enough to get to go to vegas this weekend which was amazing but uh since i live in florida that is like a five hour plane ride so picked up guacamole 2 and i basically played that for about five hours straight while going to vegas uh and i have to say definitely a lot of fun uh i it's it's a really good game it basically plays into if you've played the first one it's just like that but um a lot smoother uh i haven't gotten like i said too far into it i have played five hours but um i feel like there's still about a good couple of hours more before i really get into you know the end game of this um so i can't give a good opinion on whether or not it's better or worse than the first one it seems to be very similar only um i don't don't remember if you had the as much of playing as the chicken mode in the first one i for some reason can't remember that like so in the second (laughs) one i don't remember if the first one had this you get this thing called poyo power which is you get to become a chicken and so, like, halfway through, you'll be fighting enemies, and then if they have, like, a purple ring around them, you have to then turn into your chicken mode and attack them with a certain chicken power move that, like, breaks their shields and then go back to either fighting as a normal person or keep fighting them as a chicken. It's it's very interesting, and it's, like, the game is very simple in the fact that you basically move to one area, it's a platformer, out of nowhere it'll stop and it'll say, Lucha! Like, you know you gotta fight and uh you go into the fight mode and it's like it spawns random enemies but the way they do it of constantly having you do this mode of going back to the like the world of the dead and like switching through those zones and then having certain power moves that you have to use and 
those enemies they'll randomly have certain shields where you can only do a certain move towards them it makes it very hectic and complicated as you get further along and further along and it's a it's a lot of fun i definitely enjoy it it probably could get repetitive i mean i played it for five hours straight so after a while i was like all right i have to put this down um but if you're playing it in short bursts which can easily be done on the switch i think it's definitely good to just pick up and you know go through another temple or whatever they call it really but it's basically temples um and going through and fighting as much as you can um i definitely recommend it yeah the only thing i've heard about guacamelee 2 that has like kind of rubbed me the wrong way if i can even say that because i'm still i'm really excited for guacamelee 2 and i i'm i really want to pick it up and i have guacamelee 1 but the only thing i've heard about it that has made me like kind of wary is um i've heard that it's like its narrative is heavily reliant on playing the first game which makes sense for a sequel Mm -hmm. but um from what i understand a lot of people are saying like oh yeah, a lot of stuff doesn't necessarily make sense unless you played the first game like recently Mm -hmm. because they reference a lot of stuff from the first game and it's like, okay, it wouldn't be like playing like Fable 2 after playing Fable 1 because it's a completely like separate story kind of a thing. Like you, you could play that just on its own and it wouldn't matter. From what I understand, Guacamelee 2, it's like, not only do you play as the same character, but it follows the story like very closely. Yeah. I don't know how long after. Yeah, but... so the way it kind of works is it starts off where you literally fight the end boss uh, from the first That's game cool. at the start of the second game. So it's a it's a very dumbed down, like easier version of it, but it's it's basically you playing from there, and then it it kind of gives a gap of a few years, um, and then it it all starts up again. Um, basically with these multiverses of you being the only one who actually killed that person uh, at the end of the first game. And I, I've i heard that uh, you know criticism on the game of it being a little bit too close to right after the first one in the storytelling, but I didn't feel like, and granted I played it a long time ago, the first one, I didn't feel like it was that big of a deal for me that I wasn't really remembering it. I thought it was clever, and I thought it was kind of interesting the way they did that and made it feel like it was right after, as well as breaking the fourth wall and just having it constantly talk to you about it being a game is i think was the kind of the charm that the game had and i think it was a good direction they took even though i might not be you know 100 percent uh as up to date with all of the references that are coming through i didn't feel like it negatively impacted my time with the game that makes me feel a little bit better about it then yeah i mean i haven't played guacamelee one so the possibility of me playing them back to back is is pretty likely oh yeah but it won't even matter for you you'll just yeah benefit of it yeah i just felt like i'd say that for our listeners be like hey if if you are listening thanks that's really nice of you (laughs) though we have one listener that doesn't actually write for parallax it's awesome um yeah if if I just felt like I had to do my journalist duty, I guess. I don't know, podcast host duty, something like that. To, I got to talk I got about you. it. <laughs> hey, did you play as the shirt, shirtless arachnid person or Porty the dog? No, I haven't. Uh, just because when I got it was right when it released. And so the DLC content for the Switch has hadn't come out yet. Um, but I might pick it up now. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I, it's free DLC, I think, to get those two. I'll have to, yeah, I'll have to check it out. I'm not 100% sure. I just know that when I had gotten it, they didn't have anything. I went on the play to ride, and then afterwards, I noticed there was like, hey, there's content, like DLC out now. I was like, oh, okay, cool. But I haven't picked it up since, so I'll have to check that out later. Oh, weird. Yeah, I've heard, uh, I was listening to Kind of Funny Games Daily the other day, and Greg was talking about how he was playing guacamole too and uh how he was like briefly played as like or maybe it was a reader or like a write-in question somebody was talking about how they played as porty and it's just like a skin over the chicken mm-hmm. so like porty still lays eggs yeah. and stuff like that i thought that was super funny. that's how well that's how it is with a lot of the things in the game for like any skin which i thought was a little upsetting just because uh when i first got it i was playing as juan the main character and i you know then big buff guy walking through blah, blah blah and then i randomly as you go through the game there's like little challenge platform areas and sometimes you'll get a new skin from completing that challenge and so i completed one of the challenges and i got this one skin for uh the luchador lady i don't remember her name off the top of my head but anyway i like the skin and I was like, oh, I want to wear that one. So I changed into that skin. But then when you're playing, the game will still reference you as Juan, the main character. Like, they do nothing to change that. So it's, like, a little uh, unsettling at first because you're like, wait, what? You're like, that's not who I am. But mm-hmm. otherwise, I mean, it's cool that you get to play the different characters, but the game doesn't address it at all. So I'm not surprised that they didn't change anything for those skins. Did you uh did you ever play Bullet Storm? Kind of a weird like off thing, but did you ever play Bullet Storm? Uh I did, but I don't remember much about it. Yeah, I've I've never played it, but um when they put out the remaster, uh like they they put in a skin where you could play as Duke Nukem mm-hmm. and apparently it does the same thing where it's like it's a skin but the the like main story, the narrative, they still reference you as the main character of the game. But I guess they actually added in, like, lines of them being like, oh, you're this guy. And then Duke's like, who the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> That's awesome. He's like, my fucking name is, like, Duke Nukem. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I thought that was sweet. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That would have been interesting if they did something like that. But, I mean, it is free content. So I'm happy that it's, like, there as opposed to upset that they didn't change anything with it. But I still would have been really cool if they tried to do something like that. You got hot takes from the Indian Incursion podcast. Josh thinks that Drinkbox is lazy. <laughs> Make sure you spread it around. Everybody needs to know. You heard it here, he folks. He said it, kind of. It's a direct quote. Direct. He said it, kind of. A direct quote. <laughs> they're like, they quote me, and it's like, Vaughn said that Josh said that they're lazy. You <laughs> oh, jerk. okay. That's how rumors yeah, spread. Uh, <laughs> I wish there's rumors about our podcast. Any talking about it. Eh, all publicity is good publicity, right? Yeah, that's true. We got to do some fucked up shit, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I'll pass. <laughs> Damn it. Thought I had everybody on board. Uh, for the past week, I have been playing like a couple different indie games. Um, we're going to like talk about one of them in one of the stories later on. Um, I've been playing a little bit of Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom, which I really enjoy. Um, 
with that, I will say I enjoyed. So if you guys haven't played any of the Monster Boy games, I can't say I really have either. But it's it's a branch off of the like Monster Boy Wonder Boy like series. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you guys haven't played it yet, you should really check out the uh, Wonder Boy and the Dragon's Trap, it, it, the remaster that came out like a couple years ago. It's fantastic. I've bought it multiple times. That should not surprise anybody. Um, <laughs> And I really enjoyed its its like its art style, and they have like with Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom, they have a similar art style. A lot of the characters look look very like similar. So um, the main mechanic in the game, which isn't going to spoil anything, is that you uh, get to like morph between different like monster forms, which is really cool because it gives it like the Metroidvania elements, but. Um, that's pretty much the only time I necessarily like that and the like creature designs is the only time I get to see like that that uh, Wonder Boy and the Dragon's Trap like art style but when it comes to like the actual character animations of like humans it's different um, and it's different in kind of a weird way but I still enjoy it it also uh, I don't know if you played it but the game like starts off with this awesome cutscene, like this beautifully animated cutscene. it's it's by far one of my favorite like openings for a game <laughs> um yeah I definitely recommend if you guys don't like if if you don't think that Monster Boy sounds like it's for you just go and watch this cutscene you'll you'll want to play it it looks <laughs> it's awesome That's pretty it's cool. dope I've heard though yeah. that it's a little slow at the start. Is that the case, or how how did you feel um, about it? Yeah, I definitely felt that way because it it really tries hard to get you acclimated to the game, um, because from uh, it's not. I don't think they've actually put out like a mainline like Wonder Boy or Monster Boy title. Like until now, mm-hmm. um, not including the re-release, the the remaster of Wonder Boy and the Dragon's Trap. And so most people like the I don't know if they if the equipment was part of the previous games, but in Wonder Boy and the Dragon's Trap, the um the equipment wasn't like it is now. So you'd get equipment that's like, "Oh, cool, you purchase a sword, you do a little bit more damage or whatever." Um but in Wonder and Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom, you like you purchase equipment and you actually have to use said equipment so like um i coming back to me really enjoying the fact that like uh, i i really enjoy the game uh when i actually put on equipment i put it on which <laughs> is a stupid thing for me to enjoy apparently because everybody thinks it's dumb but i really enjoy that i think that's awesome um but that's it's a little bit different in that way and there's also equipment that you purchase like you buy heavy boots and that's how you can like sink to the bottom of like waterways and there's additional levels within that like first run level um but yeah it it definitely it takes a while to get started um you you play as like monster boy for a little bit um that's not his name he actually has a name i just haven't played enough to really like pay attention to it (laughs) um and then something happens and uh, i don't want to spoil anything but you you actually get to uh that it takes like a good maybe like 30 minutes of playing until you actually like get into the whole oh i get to switch between like my monster form and my human form 
which I still haven't even got to the point where you get to switch between it. I was just turned into a monster. Oh, okay. So, but it's really cool. I really enjoy it. But yeah, I would agree that the the opening of it is a little slow. Um, but I think it's kind of a good thing because where platformers um, are con- – like in, in recent platformers, mm-hmm. the, the platforming in this, I feel like it's kind of deliberate, but it's not super tight. It's it's kind of unforgiving. So like you can make a tiny mistake and it ends up like killing you. Right. But there's there's a lot of like save points to keep you from kind of wasting your time okay. playing the game. Yeah, it's it's very nice. Um, and other than that, I've I actually beat Chasm this week. Oh, I was damn. super excited about that. Yeah, yeah. It's not a hard game to beat. Um, yeah, it's it's like I would say uh, something that I noticed while playing that I think is by far one of the like it's the coolest thing I've seen in a while. Um, is that yes your playthrough of the game is going to be similar to mine because the bosses don't like the bosses aren't going to change um the layout of the dungeons does change because they're procedurally assembled slash generated dungeons um but the coolest part about it is there are like in certain sections of the dungeons there are puzzles that are the same in every like in in everybody's games they're the same like mechanic to the puzzle but the answer to the puzzle is different because it's it, it, like everything in your world is different than somebody else's in like small details. So like I I would come across puzzles and be like, I don't actually know how to get past this puzzle. I like the answer for it was like on a mural, like in, in some random part of the, the keep level or something like that. And I just, I would have, it's, I just wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have known to look for it. Um, So I was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to Google it, thinking like every game that's out nowadays, there are like guides and everything. But a game like Chasm, there aren't necessarily like full written guides I've seen because the answer to puzzles are always different. So I like it. I just couldn't find an actual answer to the puzzle. It was like, I can kind of help you. Like you have to go do this and then you'll find out. Which I now that I'm talking about it, I think I actually talked about this last week. But I I think that's so cool. Um, I I was going to I thought about platinuming it, but after I checked out some of the trophies, uh, like one of the trophies is to beat a boss without ever being hit, and I was like, yeah, I'm not good enough. I'm just not gonna be able to. Do it. It's it's not gonna happen. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoy it. I honestly think Chasm is super underrated. I would recommend people play it. It's like on sale right now. Just fucking play it. It's good. <laughs> How long did it take you to beat the full game? Um, it was about like ten hours, eight to ten hours. It was really not that long, and that's just because like I was going through, and every time I would get a new like power up, a new artifact is what they're called. I would go back and try to find everything. Um, so I like tried to save all the villagers, and I like tried to complete all their side quests and everything. So if you actually just wanted to like run through Chasm really quickly, you could probably get done. I would say. W- under like five hours easily um it's a very good game i would definitely recommend it the pixel art is very very nice uh sometimes the controls get kind of annoying um like i swear i would click the the jump button and it would take a second to do it that would get annoying but overall really great game i definitely recommend it for people good stuff 10 out of 10 i i wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10 <laughs> 10 out of 10 you heard it here 
Honestly, there are very few games that I think I'll ever give a 10 out of 10. Here's a hot take. Red Dead Redemption 2, 9.5 at best. Yeah. I fucking said it. Ooh. People can eat my Them's, ass. Them's yeah. just fighting words. Dude, I told you we need some controversy to get the, the name of the Indian Incursion podcast out there. Boom. <laughs> People are going to lose their shit. I mean, it's going to be intense. With a 9.5? Probably not. But okay. <laughs> I don't know. There's people losing their shit that it wasn't getting tens out of ten out of tens when it first came out. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of those people who got mad didn't even play it yet. So, what? Yeah, you know? they dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so we've got, we've talked about all the games that we've been playing this week. Kind of, I mean, I've talked about it a lot. I re- I really like those games. Uh, but it's time to talk about some indie games news. I'm really excited about a lot of the stuff coming out this week. Um, and so the way this podcast goes is we go through the news, then we hop into uh, news cram, which is the other news stories that we don't necessarily know if we can have a full uh, conversation about because I'm dumb and uh, I don't do a lot of research. <laughs> when it comes to our podcast which is depressing i probably should uh and then we hop into a couple different segments so i'm super excited about this podcast but for the first of our news stories we are actually over on game informer this written by imran khan it is digital service cartridge partners with indie mega booth to spotlight games um i honestly i had no idea what any of this shit meant like initially (laughs) yeah that title doesn't really mean anything uh for the most part i it it's really odd uh so getting into the nitty-gritty of it uh cartridge the digital service led by publisher congregate has entered into a deal with indie mega booth to do to better surface and curate indie titles on the service indie mega booth gathers indie titles and developers for major fan and industry industry shows get Oh, okay. Major fan and industry shows to give indies that otherwise wouldn't get marketing attention some much needed exposure. It appears they'll be doing roughly the same thing with cartridge. Um the the article is actually pretty good. Um it's it's a little odd. It I mean, it, you wanted to talk about this. Do you have any like inside baseball tips on this do you like have any big ideas on what this means uh because i i honestly had never really heard about indie mega booth um or cartridge before this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it seems like they're doing some great stuff yeah so the reason why i chose this as one of the ones that I, i thought we should probably discuss was because i didn't really know much about it either i had no idea cartridge was even a thing um but i started looking into what it was and it's basically uh very very relevant in the industry right now especially with all the different platforms that are trying to get you know a a fan base or uh, a player base of hey we're going to host games here you're going to be able to play games off of our service so you know the epic games discord steam obviously the biggest one um, and Cartridge is kind of doing the same thing, but they're taking it in a step where they're trying to push more towards the community, which is kind of one of the things that I was talking about is, hey, you know, a lot of these things are great for the developer side, but no one's really talking about the player base. What about the people who actually have to use this service? What about the people who actually, you know, are going to be saying, hey, I want to run a game off of this platform because it's easy or convenient to me. 
Um, I don't know much about Ease, but I do like the fact that they're trying to build a community, so to speak. So Cartridge, which they're, they're doing, their whole main thing is they're another Steam, but they're trying to make it more of a social aspect to it. So they're trying to uh, effectively merge kind of like a, a Facebook with a Steam. Um, so they're they're making it more of a social aspect um, with the games that you can play off of their service. And one of the things that I really liked was it takes achievements and finally puts some use to it so um achievements are great and i still love that a lot of services have them just because you know you, you get those achievements you're like oh yeah i want to do this um that's awesome for the people who really care but for the people who don't care as much something that's even more of an extensive now is with cartridge they have those achievement points that allow you to then make in-game purchases with those coins or outside of game purchases for specific games on the cartridge uh, service. So you can literally play a game, get achievement points from that game, and then use that to potentially buy or you know start buying another game off of cartridge. Um, so I think it's a, a, an interesting model anyway. Um, I believe they just started. So they just came about as of this year, March. So very early into you know their run through but i think things like this will be good for them as a service one and two be really great for indie games in general because this seems to be the kind of like or what could be the hey this is the indie game platform like this is what we're trying to promote is those smaller you know publishers we're trying to build a community which is really what a lot of i think indie games are is you know building that community and having that fan base because you need that kind of fan base to actually have an indie game be successful otherwise you can't have you know the the same marketing or the same publishing uh budget as a triple a title would yeah speaking of um kind of like the the platforms and everything i realized i really needed to actually shout out uh a little bit of housekeeping news that uh <laughs> it should publish very soon after this uh this episode does but i actually did an interview with mario from pixel dinos uh they are making a really like a really interesting game i i think it looks awesome it's got a great pixel art style um it's it's you play as either the villagers or the heroes and it's kind of showing the dickish side of heroes they like come in and smash pots and try to steal your money and shit and it's kind of like a rainbow six siege-esque like uh it's it's very similar to that um and i thought it was really cool he he's a really awesome guy uh that that interview should be posting sometime soon i'm i'm assuming by the uh like over the weekend or the start of the next week um but the reason i bring that up is because he was talking about like we briefly had spoke about um i realized i might nah i'll just say it it doesn't really matter we briefly had spoke about like uh them bringing their game to different platforms and what uh platforms like they might bring it to and he was like oh obviously steam and everything and i had asked him about the revenue shares uh that whole like big news that valve was giving more revenue share to larger developers um like once they sold enough and if that was going to sway the way they thought about like if they were going to come to um if they were going to come to Steam or if they'd go to Epic or any of these other game services. And he brought up a very like similar topic to what you said was that 
like at the moment he he said that steam is where people go for indie games um like when you think of an indie game on pc you yep. think to go buy it on steam um which i agree with because when i think of indie games i i just go buy it on steam if i want to buy it on my pc i don't really worry about it anywhere else but yeah it is really cool that cartridge is kind of making its own just for indie games where it's like this is where you'll buy indie games i think that's really awesome because uh, then it wouldn't be like oh yeah i have to worry about discoverability on steam or i have to worry about all this other stuff um if they have this platform that's meant to be like pretty much just for indies i think that's really awesome that i i'm very excited yeah. that that i'm a little <laughs> uh nervous to say you know how well they'll really do but with someone like indie mega booth coming through and trying to help them out you know that'll obviously get a little bit more visibility looking through their actual titles um there's a lot of games in there that you look and you're like okay these look like they would be something interesting and but there's also a lot of games where you're like oh this kind of looks like a flash game you would find on Newgrounds. so it's like it's kind of a toss-up as to if they're getting more of those you know curated um games from indie mega booth and they start picking up as a service to get more of you know the uh indie developers who are creating more serious games i don't want to take a uh knock at anyone who's doing certain art styles but it just has a feel where looking through the catalog there's not as much as you would expect from someone who wants to say that they're you know the the indie game uh platform so to speak but that's once again they're only um you know very early into their run because i believe like i said it was march that they just started up so they have you know a lot of time and things like this are you know those first steps that get them into the right direction of being that quote-unquote um indie game platform yeah it seems like some of the games that they've already chosen are uh always sometimes monsters abductions skull of the shogun and tiny bubbles um the only one i've actually heard of in those games is skull of the shogun and it's because i got it as like a free playstation plus game a while ago <laughs> so I, I i can't really say anything about this but that's this news story is really <laughs> cool that's that's what i'll say having a platform almost specifically for indie games i think is really awesome uh over for a new indie game releasing next year um we are staying on game informer this written by surreal surreal vasquez maybe uh it is indie survival game uh, overland fully releasing next year uh, Overland and Indie Survival Game and Roguelike will fully released sometime next year. Um, it seems like the developers said on Twitter, um, they said right now might be a good time to sign up for our mailing list at Overland uh, like dash game dot com. Uh, we're getting really close to getting out of first access, and we'd like to have you along for the ride. Overland will release in twenty nineteen. So first access seems like just a riff off of early access, but instead of doing it on like Steam or anything, they're actually doing it on their own website. Would I be correct yeah. in assuming that? I I guess it kind of says that in the article, yeah, but no, I just wanted to that's make kinda sure. That's kind of what it is, but I, 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 when I first saw it, I was very confused too. I was like, first access? What is that? Like I've never heard anyone refer to it as that. Yeah, it is It is kind of weird. Um, 
I I've actually I I can't remember where I actually saw this game initially. I I believe it was at like E3. Um, Game Informer said that they had actually like highlighted it as the one of the best indie games coming out uh, back in 2017. Oh yeah, at E3 in 2017. So that must have been where I've seen it. Um, so I'm assuming they've been working on this game for a while. Uh, they describe it as the um the the road trip themes and aesthetics are reminiscent of kentucky route zero mixed with xcom xcom style gameplay um i like i haven't been a huge fan of like the xcom series i really wanted to get into the most recent xcom um but i just didn't but that it doesn't really have anything to do about this game. Uh, I really like the art style of this game. Uh, I think it looks really interesting. It reminds me a lot of, uh, I think it was Serial Cleaner that came out recently. I, I feel like the art style and it's kind of like jagged edges looks very similar. Uh, and I'm actually really excited about this. I, I really like, like everyone else, like post-apocalyptic games. And it seems like this is very much in that vein i mean they say it's like a road trip but like what were they going on a road trip to <laughs> yeah i um i ended up i i had never heard about this before uh i saw this article so i was like oh this looks kind of interesting i wonder what it is and i watched someone playing like you know the first 30 minutes or so of the game and i was like oh okay it, it definitely is post-apocalyptic worlds where you're uh, it looked like they started out as two people, but it might start with one because during the game you ended up getting an extra party member. Like we, they found someone, so it just seems like you're going towards, you know, towards that road. You keep going through. It looks like a, co- a cross country trip basically, and you're trying to effectively go from one side of the map to the other. Each one is its own like um, grid based uh, tiny square that you go to and you get to choose like different ways and you have to balance lose it like running out of gas from your car um to enemies that are on the field that will like attack you it's very strange and i wasn't sure watching it what those enemies were they looked like just very deformed like mutant creatures so it seems like there's some kind of you know either like an infection or something that happened to the world that's now like out there and you're trying to get out um but it, it definitely looked like they're is a lot of potential with this game um but we'll have to see i haven't seen anything about it like i said uh before this but you know i'm definitely excited to see where it goes uh once it's done with first access so definitely once it's in second access i think that's when i'll pick it up and when it's in second access (laughs) i hope they call it that (laughs) they're just like it's not a full release it's just second access that's second access (laughs) that would be awesome it, yeah, it reminds me a lot of like, I it reminds me a lot of like Banner Saga or uh, Oregon Trail games like similar to that where it's like it's it's about surviving but it's also about like the journey uh, to your right. destination. So I'm I'm actually really interested in this. I'm not gonna like fool anybody and say that I'm I'm more than likely gonna play it because if we're being honest, I probably won't because I'm once again bad at video games. It's kind of a through line for this podcast. I'm not good at them. Uh, and survival <laughs> games, like I'm especially terrible at. <laughs> I can't keep myself alive to save my life, I guess. that. Well, at least you're doing it in the real world. That's where it counts. Yeah, right? Uh, I mean, either I'm keeping myself alive or my girlfriend's keeping me alive. So 
Some uh, uh, somebody's doing it right. Yeah, somebody's doing something awesome, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of something awesome, our next uh, our next article is over on Twinfinite. This written by Hannah Stewart. It is Hightail is hyper high pixel Minecraft server developers' first solo project. Uh, this game looks really really awesome. This article just talks about its announcement. Um, high pixel Studios, a studio created by founders of the popular Minecraft server High Pixel, has today revealed their first standalone project titled Hightail. Something that I realized when it came to this game, do you listen to the the H3H3 Productions podcast, the H3 podcast? Uh, no. Okay, so, yeah, you you wouldn't uh, know this, and uh, not... I don't think many people would have actually noticed this. They recently did like an eight-hour podcast uh, to make money. They did it with like Justin Roiland, and uh, his name is Alex something. He's the creator of Gravity Falls. It really pisses me off that I oh, can't remember. Uh, yeah, it's um, – oh, God, what is his name? But I love Gravity Falls. Yeah, me but too. I can't. Gravity Falls is fantastic. <laughs> Welcome to the Gravity Falls podcast, guys. It's, uh, it's a really oh, good thanks. show. Um, I bought it. Alex Hirsch. You like what? Alex Hurst? Uh, no, Alex Hirsch. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, they were both on the H3 podcast live uh, to like make money for um, the the relief in California, and they had it to where like you could donate money, and they would write something on Ethan or Joey Salads, um, and somebody actually like one of the most interesting marketing campaigns I've ever seen. Somebody wrote in, paid five hundred dollars to get Hightail written on them. Like written on like Joey Salad's neck, and I was I was listening to that podcast today, and then realized when I was looking through the doc, I was like, "Oh shit, that was one of these guys." I was like, "That's so fucking weird." Small world. Yeah, marketing I've heard is the hardest thing to do for an indie game, so it totally makes sense. Uh, but the game itself uh, actually looks really cool. Um. It says, as you'd expect, Hightail is a sandbox experience with a similar voxel aesthetic to Minecraft. The title aims to put its own spin on the formula with RPG mechanics and collaborative play options. There's also a big emphasis on an on an exploration through its procedurally generated adventure mode. That I don't know why that sentence seems so weird to me. Uh, developers have <laughs> confirmed that all the tools utilized to make the game will be... Uh, it will be readily available for players to use how they see fit, such as the creation of new models and filmmaking. Um, it seems like uh, Hypixel is seeing a wave of initial support, scoring League of Legends developer Riot Games as an investor, in addition, uh, an advising group consisting of several industry veterans has also been formed, including the former CCO, I don't know what that means, uh, of Blizzard Entertainment, Rob Pardo, Pardu, Pardu, something like that. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's any release date, uh, but they did confirm that uh, the it seems like the only platform it's actually coming to is PC at the moment, and supposedly they are trying to get a teen rating from the ESRB, and uh, the author says that that's implying that the team has an older uh, audience in mind than Minecraft does. I don't necessarily think that. Um, I think that's kind of... It's an interesting assumption, but I don't think like a teen rating necessarily means that they're trying to... like make something that's a little bit more like adult than minecraft i guess 
I, I think that's kind of a weird I think leap. That, I think that's more them trying to cover their butts when it comes to community-based games, of it being a kid's game. If you have people who are playing it that aren't kids, you run the risk of kids hearing things or seeing things that aren't kid-appropriate. Um, so since this is a community-based game and you can build whatever you want, you know, it, it makes it just easier for them from a legal standpoint to be like, nope, not for kids. It's more for, you know, uh, older, uh, individuals. Yeah. If you make it like E for everyone, I, well, I guess it's actually a very good business move considering how many, like, I mean, kids still play Minecraft, obviously, but Minecraft is very big among like older people, um, like adults and teens, so yeah you're definitely right it seems to just be like kind of covering their ass where they're just like yeah no i mean it's kids can play it but that's with like permission from a parent it's not something that like we should have to worry about i guess that's why the esrb exist is to like make sure parents know what kind of shit is in games so yeah i don't necessarily think it, it it like means that they're trying to shoot for an older audience because i imagine like the people that made an incredibly successful Minecraft server are not trying to like alienate the audience that they initially had with Minecraft. So, right. Yeah. I also think it makes sense from the perspective of uh, like considering your audience. So a lot of people who are in Minecraft are going to be interested in this game. And you think of a lot of the player base from Minecraft, uh, you know, started out, as younger and minecraft's been around for a while so those kids who started with minecraft would now be in that teen range so just from that alone makes sense that it would be you know they might be going for not specifically an older audience but the same audience who was once captivated by minecraft honestly i like people really like minecraft uh jared petty being among them people i hear that really enjoy minecraft i've never been able to get into it i just i (laughs) i really hate its art style and i feel bad saying that but hightail kind of like it riffs on that but gives it like a slightly more polished look um yeah so i really like that i i've been like uh kind of like delving into games similar to minecraft for a long time but like with different art styles so like portal knights is one i really enjoy portal knights um and just just other games i mean you could say like arc survival evolved but i wouldn't necessarily say it's like minecraft because it's not um <laughs> <laughs> good way to put it yeah right um yeah no i one of the things when i first watched this is i was like i was like oh man Vaughn's going to love this game because I watched the pickaxe animation and I was like, this is spot on. Oh my God, dude. (laughs) I'm not even joking. Like, I'm not going to call you out on something. Yesterday when I was doing the interview with Mario, he at one point in time, like asked me what I thought the, like what I thought the most time consuming thing in, uh, in game design was. And he said it was like creating like a, like doing animation and creating like pixel <laughs> sprites. I totally thought he was going to call me out on how much I hate Stardew Valley's animation. I thought he was going to like flip out. I seriously got like, I got like red and I was super hot. I was like, Oh God, I'm about oh, to no. be bitched out on my podcast. <laughs> that's great (laughs) spoiler alert he did not yell at me that's not where he was going with that but (laughs) (sighs) close one 
um but no i mean looking at the game i do i do like it i've never been a fan of minecraft either um i never really could get into it and i've never really got in into a lot of crafting games because uh one i'm just kind of lazy and dumb and i'm not as creative as many people are out there in the internet people make some Um, cool shit in minecraft yeah it really bothers me (laughs) <laughs> there's some really interesting stuff out there that i would never do because i don't have the time or uh you know just thought to create some of this stuff but why i like this one and why i might actually get into to you know this whole concept is because you basically have more of that exploration and that like game feel to it rather than minecraft being more of like a you know you get to build your environment around you and that's kind of what it is this is you have a game and then also it's going to be as good as its community is because this could be, you know, a whatever kind of a thing that's just like, oh, it's kind of fun to walk through. Or you might have some insane, crazy, you know, custom maps that are created by the community that are going to be a lot of fun to run through and try to, you know, explore the dungeons that are created by these people. I had never thought about that. That would be really cool. I've honestly been looking for, like, kind of a game similar to what Hytale seems to be um i i would really enjoy to actually play this initially but i'm not gonna play it on pc i just know i'm not going to it's not gonna happen (laughs) it's it's just so annoying uh when it comes to console i'll play the shit out of it that's what i'm saying but yeah i've been looking for an mmo that's like similar to isekai anime where it's like uh players kind of create or change the world and you get to like not only do you get to affect the world but also you get to experience the world how other people have affected it um i think that's really cool and i feel like hightail is trying to make that happen in a way um the the team definitely seems to understand that or i i guess i'm I might be making an ass of myself, but I'm assuming they understand that considering they made an ex- uh, incredibly successful Minecraft server. So, <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah, right. I, I, I mean, I hope we'll see it come to consoles. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. Fuck PC. Right. <laughs> you don't like PC anymore, uh, do you? Yeah. I. I, I uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you persuaded me. Boom, dude. I'm going to throw my PC right in the dumpster right now, right after we're done with this. Knew it. I knew I got you. Um, if you guys would like to experience Hytale, uh, you might not actually have to wait long. It seems like they're trying to get into beta as soon as possible. Um, so I would recommend, just like Hannah Stewart, the author of this article, would recommend uh, going to their website to register for the beta. Uh, probably be a good idea. Yeah, I would I would definitely recommend that. But speaking of just uh, childlike games or just kind of children in general, because I wanted to sound really creepy, um, it's time to move on <laughs> to our next story. This on Twinfinite, written by Bogdan Robert Mates, maybe. Uh, it is story-driven roguelike Children of Morta launches next year on all major platforms. So the one thing I do find a little bit off-putting by this title is that it doesn't actually say that Children of Morda was delayed to 2019, uh, which, I mean, I do enjoy because it's kind of like immediately negative if you think it's delayed. But 
from what I understand, it was it was originally announced and supposed to be coming out in 2018, um, but they pushed it to 2019, but that's because they're doing all sorts of awesome stuff. Um, initially, it was actually only announced for PC, I believe, but now it's actually being developed and supposedly is going to launch simultaneously on PC, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PS4, which I think is super awesome. And the... Uh, the developers of the game are also taking this time. Uh, the the developer Dead Mage is taking this time to uh, kind of work on the story and how that the the story of this family interacts with the gameplay. Um, because most roguelikes, you just kind of like you you run through, you die. It's kind of like uh, about getting, for lack of a better term, getting good at the game. Um, <laughs> And yeah. it's it seems like they're trying to not only have a game that's like, oh, yeah, it has good gameplay, but it, it, they're not just trying to make a roguelike. They're trying to make like a narrative driven roguelike. And I think that's awesome. Um, I've I've honestly found that kind of lacking from most roguelikes being a mostly like narrative driven gamer. And I think it's awesome that they're trying to do that. Um, I'm really excited to see how this like whole family dynamic goes into that um i'm wondering if it's going to be something like rogue legacy where you die and like you might have like um your your family will come after you kind of a thing um apparently you can play as all sorts of different characters from the family which each have different gameplay styles i think that's awesome <laughs> I've been waiting for this game for a while. Uh, the only bad side about this is that it, they did announce that the PS Vita version will no longer be. Uh, they they will no longer be doing that. Um, uh, supposedly, they said it's due to the fact that the game is getting bigger and better. Um, and it seems like I, I'm assuming this is just kind of the author reading between the lines. He says, which brings up the console's technical limitations. Um, I honestly, I think that I, I haven't seen this game, but at first blush, it seems like it could run on PS Vita. They've they've had like pretty big games run on PS Vita. I think it's because the Vita is like dying. Like the yeah. Sony's no longer producing cartridges for it. Um, next year we're no longer going to have like PlayStation Plus games for Vita. Um, it. I mean, Sony Sony has all but abandoned the Vita. And I think it makes sense for developers to kind of pull out and be like, no, we're not doing the Vita stuff because it's just it's just not lucrative. It doesn't really make sense to do it. So yeah, I, I don't I'm pretty sure, What were you going to say? I'm pretty sure by bigger and better, they're more referring to like it's getting more hype and they're thinking about like the, the actual monetary value of what it would cost to put it on Vita versus what they would get in returns. Um but I mean, maybe not. I don't know, obviously, anything about the development of the PS Vita or what it can do as far as running things. But I have the same, you know, idea as you. Looking at this game, it seems like it would be able to run just fine. Right. I yeah. I I think the author is just kind of like taking a leap, being like, "Oh yeah, it's the console's technical limitations." I'm like, "Nah, dude. They yeah. they have much bigger games like Freedom Wars. I'm pretty sure is much bigger, and it's it's much more detailed, and it runs perfectly on the Vita. Like Persona Four Golden, it's a big game, perfectly on the Vita, kind of a thing. So, yeah, I definitely believe it's kind of like they they announced that they're simultaneously launching for all of these different consoles 
and it just makes more like fiscal sense let alone the amount of like man hours that would have to go into making the ps vita version um it just okay. makes sense for them to not want to worry about doing that uh, also as a as a quick uh comment why did you choose the transition of children rather than it being on all platforms when we were See? discussing how you hated <laughs> the fact that it was only on pc I didn't think about that. <laughs> I had come up with the child transition a while ago. I just didn't uh, I didn't know that we were going to get to a platform. <laughs> that's that's why not a creepy thing. Uh but back to the story at hand. Thanks for putting me on the spot. Uh, that's what I do. <laughs> um, it does seem like if uh, you were a Kickstarter that backed the Vita version of the game, you can actually contact them, and uh, supposedly you could sort things out. I want to know what that means. Yeah, I was like, that's a very, that's very like, cryptic message. <laughs> yeah, are they gonna like give you your money back, or are they just gonna be like, I mean, you got the other tiers, so do you need your money back? kind of a thing i, I don't know uh, apparently you okay. can go to tech support at 11bit.com and they'll in quote in quotes sort things out it's okay sounds very aggressive right it sounds like they're gonna murder you if we're being real they're just like oh you want you want the ps voodoo version how about i just kill you instead that's it sounds better i'd rather do that uh yeah, this goes more into that us starting uh, terrible stuff again <laughs> to get to get hype around our podcast. Right? They're called dead, ma- dead mage guys. They're trying to kill you. <sighs> Just spreading bad rumors once again. <laughs> you heard it here first. Dead mage trying to kill you. That's why they're making this game. It's it's gonna brainwash you. You're gonna be you're gonna like dive into a mountain or something. Watch out. Fake news. Mm, you know. Fake news. Well, you gotta watch out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, I'll still play it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I've been waiting a long time for Children of Morta. <laughs> uh, initially, once I started riding for Parallax and was a, and was able to get on Terminals, which is a PR site for those who don't know, um, I immediately signed up to get notifications for Children of Morta because uh, I've been looking forward to this since they announced it uh, a while ago. So I'm very excited. And it's coming to PS4, so suck it, PC. Bam. <laughs> There's a transition, Josh. Jeez. Oh yeah. How you gonna do? How you gonna get? How you gonna get us to the next oh, one? Oh, trust me, dude. It's gonna be children again. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Let's go, baby. So, did you? Uh, were you following Children of Morta, or it's just like, oh yeah, it's it's a story driven roguelike. That's cool. <laughs> no, actually, I I hadn't really heard much of it uh, other than. I think he tweeted about it uh, a week ago or so, and I, I started looking into it. I like the concept of it. I'm a big fan of uh, roguelites in general. Um, I just I like the the concept of the get good, um, especially 
win playing these type of games just because there's so many variables in it obviously you can get you know very frustrating at times but it's definitely one of the genres that i just i constantly go back to all the time and just because it's the best bang for your buck type of game because you can have so many hours of playing the same thing but it's just because it's you know either procedurally generated or because you know drops are different and there's so much rng in it it's like a different game every time which makes it interesting that they're doing this story driven part because that's one of the you know main reasons that you really can't put that much of a story driven aspect to it because you really don't know what's going to happen as far as gameplay and you're really just trying to in most games get from one you know level to the next so it's not impossible to put in that story part to it but i just i wonder how they're going to do it especially since they're you know playing into that oh it's a family each character plays differently like i wonder if it's going to be you know one level is with one character and then you have to switch to a different one is it going to be that you can play the entire game with just one family member like how are they going to emphasize that story into the actual gameplay itself you always bring up these really like insightful topics about our topics (laughs) and i just sit here thinking about how my mouth is really dry and my power rate is not helping me (laughs) so yeah no, I'm actually <laughs> I'm I'm very excited to see how um gameplay is going to interact with the story when it comes to this. They did say in the article that there are like a few things that we know for certain that are going to happen. Um like uh, they said that they're not only making the the biomes larger, but they are also making mini bosses the weight at the end of each level, which mm-hmm. I find that kind of odd that that may not have existed before because that's that's kind of a thing in roguelikes if i'm if i'm not wrong that's it's a thing yeah no no (laughs) you're right that that's very very common that you would get something like that so i i wish i knew more about this game before that change to see like you know to, to have a good understanding of what it looked like before those but it does seem different just because uh i mean it sounds like it might get you know repetitive without that kind of like challenge at the end or that you know that easy way to understand that okay this is the end of the level that's usually why you have those in roguelikes it's just because it gives that you know that oh i worked my way up to this part now i'm going to fight the boss and generally you usually lose you know that first couple of times and you have to find out okay what build is good with them or you know what style do i have to play to beat this boss to get to the next area so i think it'll make a lot of sense especially with those different family members and them all having different styles of gameplay yeah, let alone the fact that I mean, what I what I feel is really interesting about like boss battles in, in general in roguelikes is that generally once you beat a boss, it's like, oh, okay, now you go onto a new area, but the boss mm-hmm. gives you some sort of like item, like a new weapon or something right, that would actually right. help you in that next area. So, uh, yeah, I definitely am on the same plane as you, where I, I would like to know what like Children of Morta was gonna be like before. It had these mini bosses because it's kind of weird. But, uh, you know, we we briefly spoke about children in this. <laughs> Would okay, you say you think go. any of them are boys? I, wow. Uh, I could think of one. 
Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, which one were you thinking? For certain, you think there's a boy in this game. Well, there's also a boy in another game. Yeah, right? Fucking great segue. Suck it, Josh. Uh, now for our next Ooh. article. We are saying on Twinfinite, this written by Aaron Greenbaum, and it is Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom has sold 50,000 copies. I was one of them. Yeah. Boom. Oof. Now I'm going to brag about that, right? Uh, this was definitely all <laughs> me, guys. I was the 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 fifty thousandth copy, kind of, not really. Uh, the <laughs> the publisher, I believe, um, FDG Entertainment. That that might actually be the developer instead of the publisher. It doesn't necessarily say in the article, from what I'm seeing. So I'm gonna assume it's the developer. Um, they went to Twitter and said a huge thank you to 50,000 units sold. We're deeply grateful and it's a big deal for us to see such an awesome support for a premium in quality gaming. This also goes out to the press members and reviewers who played and recommended Monster Boy. Um, like I said in the beginning of this episode, I really, really enjoy Monster Boy. I would definitely recommend it to anybody who's wanting like a good platformer, um, or just kind of a good game in general. <laughs> yeah, just a good game. It's in just general. a good game, All dude. Right. You you collect gold, you buy new shit, you become freaking monsters. It's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. And if you buy it physically, you get some stickers. Oh man! Yeah, Did dude. You get the stickers? Yeah, of course I. I don't know why Come I'm on, asking. You thinking <laughs> I, know I didn't already. buy this on disc? Come on, Josh. Yeah. Okay. Come on. Okay. I know. I know. Um, as a update, it was published by FDG Entertainment, and the developer is Game Atelier. Damn it! I believe that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> so. I was wrong. <laughs> the publisher went to Twitter to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, congrats to them. I'm actually surprised because I didn't really think it was going to have that big of a backing just because it is kind of an off-brand. Um, and it's it's definitely not one that I would have thought would be that you know that big of a Would a push. actually sell 50K? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a little surprising just because it's, you know, it's a very no-name title, especially here in the States, I would assume. Um, it, was that 50,000? Is this... Uh, overall like worldwide or is this a specific area i mean they just said fifty thousand units sold so i'm assuming it's worldwide um and i'm fairly certain that the the, like the monster boy franchise is pretty big like overseas so yeah yeah Yeah. i wonder i wonder how much of that is you know over here in the states versus uh elsewhere um i wish there was a breakdown of that just to see you know is this becoming potentially a popular title in the states will you know will this spawn more of them to come here or is this something that you know is going to be that one hit wonder and just kind of fade away yeah i mean it should be noted that this fifty thousand copies sold is actually just on consoles um the game has yet to come to pc which it's it's going to come to pc in early 2019 um which people are speculating that it'll cause uh the sales to skyrocket i guess is is what uh aaron greenbaum says so <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised i mean if it's doing that well on consoles and if there's already some hype from it it makes sense that people on pcs would pick it up it's actually really surprising i didn't i didn't realize that it hadn't come to pc yet um that's very opposite of the way this usually works so it's uh it's interesting how their marketing uh of this went console first but 
maybe maybe they felt it it made more sense or maybe there was something that that was holding it back to get to pc i don't know anything about the actual development of it though so neither do i yeah <laughs> no well, insight just in the development of monster boy in yeah, this podcast just an interesting tidbit <laughs> i suppose <laughs> I I do think it's kind of sad. It, it says like it came like it was released to little fanfare, and despite despite the small release, um, it's it's gotten like rave reviews. People are really loving it and talking about it and everything, which is kind of sad because yeah, it is a great game, and like I honestly think it deserves to sell more than fifty k copies. So I definitely hope that the uh, its launch on PC really just blows it out of the water. Mm-hmm. well i'm sure it will if it's done this well so far but you know what i think it's time for josh can you guess what i think it's time for uh i think it's time for my stuff yes i think it is time for your stuff i think it's time <laughs> to cram some news that's not necessarily your stuff i see where you're going with that transition it's actually time to cram some news down your guys' throats because we don't know what to say about them uh-huh. I almost forgot news cram. How could I forget? I know, right? It was your stuff. You created it, Josh. I know. Cram, cram, cram. There you go. I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to keep doing it. That's good. I'm glad. Just like banger. You know what? I'm really glad about the, the news cram segment. The best part about it is we don't have to have in depth conversations about Stardew Valley every week. It's, it's really I know, exciting. but they'll be there every week, though. Oh. I hope I hope there's for the rest of this podcast's existence there is an article every week in that news cram section about Stardew Valley. It fucking sure seems they'll, they'll so. Figure away. It's <laughs> they'll so figure annoying. away. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it bothers me so much, but I'm like, dude, just fucking stop talking about your game. Well, that's not necessarily true. I want him to keep talking about it. But for the news cram segments, we've got uh, Subnautica is free on the Epic Game Store until December 27th. Uh, Stardew Valley developer puts new project on hold to double down on farming game, which is Stardew Valley, if you guys didn't know. Um, The (laughs) next game from Runbow developers, Double Cross, is launching in January. El Hijo, maybe. Uh, announced with teaser trailer and it's revealed the uh revealed featuring the story that's over on twinfinite if you guys would really like to check that out and uh definitely uh sorry to interrupt you no, it's definitely good. el hijo it's spanish i'm not yeah that i, <laughs> <laughs> I never would have guessed that <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's pretty confusing <laughs> the h is uh pretty much silent in spanish and the j sounds like an h so that's annoying i don't like that (laughs) (laughs) um and we've got an apology and update roadmap outlined for i would like to say maylined but i'm pretty sure it's mangled mal malgned what what is that word josh (laughs) pretty sure it's maligned what does that even mean what does maligned mean (laughs) like like misaligned but without the miss and mostly the aligned let's go with that yeah maybe they just invented a word i guess uh apology and update roadmap outlined for maylined rpg underworld ascendant apparently that game is kind of a shit show right now and uh yeah the developers came out to apologize for it and say that they're gonna fix it which is nice 
it is nice. Uh, it sucks that uh, sucks that the game sucked, but uh, hey, man, they'll they'll get there. They'll be the next. Uh... Uh, wow, why is the name escaping me? They'll be the next No Man's Sky. <laughs> you're like that was, uh... that was weird. I was like, oh, that was quite a brain fart. Yeah, you're tired, dude. You're you're doing things. It's cool. It's cool. I know. I'm trying to trying to move my whole my whole life to a different place. It's uh, it's exhausting. I definitely understand. But now it is actually time for your stuff. This is uh, God Bless the Crowd. This is our segment where Josh goes into the different crowdfunding sites. He picks out some indie games, and we talk about them. Um, today, we've got two on here. It's Malcrease, <gasps> Malcures. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Malcures is right. And Miscreation. Oh, it's crazy how easy that one was to say. Thank you. <laughs> fucking malcrease malcrease whatever that is these games look really interesting and i've got salty things to say about them so i'm sure you do <laughs> like normal uh malcrease malcrease uh the interactive card game it apparently was funded within three hours they're really boasting about that or in, in less than three hours that's awesome they were asking for 56k it made 97k and it's it's still got 20 fucking days oh my god (laughs) yeah this game is massive it's gonna go far honestly the only thing i have to say about this game that that made me like at all salty was in the trailer they're like this is a new kind of gaming this basically the way this game is going to be is a mix between um like physical card based gameplay and a like the like card games like on your system um and they said it was a new kind of gaming and i was like dude i'm a hundred percent certain that like sega released an x-men game in like fucking 1990 something that used this same thing where you used cards and you like swiped them and you could play as wolverine and shit like (laughs) it's very similar i was like this is not a fucking new idea you didn't reinvent the wheel on this one but i think that's really awesome it seems really cool uh the cards and the art style look awesome i will actually more than likely play this game uh but can everybody fuck off with their one dollar tier just stop doing it it's so annoying (laughs) it's for moral support i hate that so much moral support they're like, oh, you thank you for the... moral support. We really appreciate it. And then they, like, on occasion, like with Miscreation, they have a uh, a $2 tier, which in some way is worse. But at least your name appears in the credits. But it seems like in the majority of these, they're just like, thanks. You gave me a fucking <laughs> dollar. And in this, they give you, you'd give them a dollar and 14 cents if you live in the U.S. So... There's 24 people who did that. Also, fuck those people. Don't just give them a dollar. Well, I guess the the next one is thirty dollars. I mean, so yeah, not everyone sense. has thirty four dollars to just give away. That okay? In that situation, it makes sense that you'd only give a dollar, but make like a five dollar tier, dude. Like, do something uh, else. I mean, it's it's one dollar and fourteen cents or more. You could do five dollars if you wanted. That's true. I could do five dollars. I could Sorry. also stab myself. So there's really just two two different sides of that coin right there. 
that's a that's a very different side but yeah <laughs> let's go with that um i mean specifically about the game though i i thought it was super interesting because it's basically taking real cards like in the real world and then you having to use either your android phone or i assume they're also going to allow this for iphone um or they have a specific adapter that you can actually scan the cards with um and then I believe one of the goals is to have it to switch, which would use um, the their scanning reader. system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, which I thought was was actually pretty cool. My only concern with it, though, is like you basically get the card and you're like, yes, I have the card. You scan it and then it's like, OK, now the card is totally useless because you really don't do anything with it since it's technically an interactive game. And it's like that's cool from like a collection standpoint, but like once you do that it's pretty much done you just play the game inside the the game like i don't know like i'm not i don't know what i should really expect but it's like you get those cards and it's awesome but then they literally just collect dust yeah i'm i'm not 100 percent certain about this but um they briefly spoke about so when you like you play with these cards and everything they they level up and they become like your cards essentially and you can change them based on the way that you play and uh, they said that you can actually trade them um and they actually they they retain that information so i was wondering if like to trade them it's not something you do in game like you actually trade them your card um so i don't i don't oh, really know do you think do you think the card retains that scan basically like it'll like you can scan the card again and it will like um, i don't know i mean it might i don't i don't know i feel like that would be that, really cool that, that sounds yeah that sounds way too advanced though for it to be just a card i mean they did just get 97k so <laughs> i mean maybe but no i think i think that would be super cool but i do not think so at all with what's there um, I mean, well, I guess uh, the way that Amiibos work, the the only actual like piece of technology is a chip in it. the The rest of it is just kind of like for glamour. Um, and like certain Amiibos, when like uh, Smash on the Wii U came out, um, mm -hmm. if you used the Amiibos, you could like uh, use them as like NPCs. And when they leveled up, um, you like it would be saved on your Amiibo and you could take it to your friend's house. So if you think of these cards as Amiibos, um, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that your card would actually retain that information. But I also don't know, like, the depth of what you can do, like, with, with leveling up and customizing your cards. Right, right. I mean, if that's the case, I think that's super cool, and that makes the whole concept of, you know, retaining the cards super worth it um otherwise like i said they would just collect dust but if it's doing something like that and you can like take it to different areas um and like retain that card data on each one of them and actually trade the cards that way uh i definitely think that's uh, a very interesting take on it i'm wondering if like i i've seen some different stuff i'm wondering if you can like i was gonna say like a part of playing the game is actually having the physical cards so let's say you go to a friend's house and you you like want to play with him um but you actually have to like you, you might not like scan in your account you have to like 
use your cards to do so i don't know it, right. it's a really interesting game and it's they're really kind of shooting for the stars with it and i think that's awesome uh this game looks really really cool yeah i definitely think that you know once we see the final product of this this could be something that that does take off very heavily especially in you know the world of like card games uh as far as you know people who play a lot of like magic of the gathering stuff like that um i i also like how they they seem to have like an interactive not interactive but an actual campaign mode for the game that you can play with this card game as opposed to just playing you know against people so i would be interested to see that the only thing is this game and it obviously makes sense since you're actually buying cards instead of like just a digital copy is the starting pledge is you know that 34 dollars, which is pretty hard to just start off at if you're especially if you're you know kind of on the fence about this i mean i hate to correct you but the starting pledge is a dollar <laughs> get out of here <laughs> the starting pledge where you actually get something yeah that is very true um but it's, I mean, if you look at it this way, it's still cheaper than buying into, like, Starlink. Starlink, you had to pay, like, 60 fucking bucks and you still didn't get anything interesting. Like, I guess if you bought the digital copy of Starlink, you, you got way more for your 60 bucks. So, I would say $30 for how cool this is is kind of, like, a small price to pay. Um, let alone the fact that, like, getting into just a standard card game... I like a deck would like I played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh for a long time um and like buying a starter deck would be about like $15 and if we're being honest you can't really like play competitively with just a starter deck you would normally have to buy like three starter decks and then take all the good cards out of each one of those and mix it uh let alone Mm -hmm. adding additional like cards like effect valor and like different uh, call the haunted whatever um so i think the the price point of like uh 30 dollars i guess it's 34 us dollars um i think it's decent especially for what you get um you get uh one introduction pack of your choice which is cool um one legendary booster pack one exclusive kickstarter champion card exclusive kickstarter kickstarter in-game title uh premium beta access uh digital soundtrack your name in the credits of the game fuck you give it to the one dollar people damn i didn't even see that that's so annoying and access to add-ons which they used add-ons as one word which really bothers me because <laughs> it's not one word. Um, but yeah, I, I do understand what you're saying uh, that that does seem like kind of a steep, like a steep right up front charge. Um, but for card games, you, you kind of have to pay that no matter what, like if you want to play. That's uh, yeah, that's a fair point. I'm kind of more thinking of like the general Kickstarter games, but it is in a kind of different realm just because this is physical based and you'll actually get it (laughs) probably i mean i don't know they seem to have the game like pretty well fleshed out at this point so uh but we've taken quite a long time to talk about this game because it's super cool but i think it's about time we talk about miscreation a platform with evolution guess what it's fucking 2d spore that's what this game is yeah yeah it seems really interesting but so dumb at the same time i know so i put this on there not because uh and no offense to them i think the concept of this is really cool 
super cool. Like this could be something amazing. Watching it though, it definitely looks like it's not going to make it very far. Um, yeah, you're just making these but, mongoloid fucking characters. Like they look so weird. <laughs> they look very weird, which is fine. But the combat in it, which obviously would need to be good for this game, just looks awful. Um, it's like really clunky, um, and it just doesn't it doesn't feel like it's very flushed out at all. Um, which I mean, it's a Kickstarter game, so you know, it's not always going to feel that way. But it just doesn't look like it would be a lot of fun in the actual gameplay mechanics of it. It looks like it would be cool to see the creatures you create. But I think something like this would be amazing if it was more of a fleshed out game where the combat to it felt a little smoother. That's very true. Yeah, while watching the uh, while watching the gameplay, I mean, I haven't like played it or anything. You guys can check out the demo on here. Um, but yeah, the the platforming does not seem very tight at all. It it very it really seems like clunky and slow, like you said. Um, and like what little they showed of combat it it really doesn't seem to be like a large part of anything um and even if it was it was like really weird you like bit yeah. something but you bit it from like 10 feet away it was yeah it's really odd i i don't know how to feel about it um the game like like you said the it looks really cool um in like the concept of it seems really really cool and i really love like some of the the different like backer stuff that you can get um like you can get really cool plushes and stuff like that the one thing i would say that they probably should have done as just kind of like an aesthetic choice not in their game but in their kickstarter is most kickstarters like they use bullet points to say what like your um tier includes and the the team that made this one did not it's kind of like paragraphs to tell you what you're getting and i'm like you know somebody's commenting like too long didn't read or something like they're like i mean there's there's always like the the paragraphs on the side where you can uh, the main like meat of it where you can read what you're gonna get but generally the tiers is like okay that's where you simplify the information to make it really easy for everybody to understand um right but yeah this this game looks really interesting but i i don't think i would play it in in its current state i don't i don't think so either i think that i hope it either transforms into something totally different or someone else creates something with the same style concepts because i think the idea of it has a lot of potential yeah it's really really cool i mean yeah i would i the one big thing that i would change probably is i would like kind of go back to the drawing board on some of the artistic choices that they've made um because I feel like that was the big issue like one of the big issues with Spore that a lot of people had was that like it's art style was so fucking weird like it it just it was not aesthetically pleasing at all and I feel like this uh that miscreation might fall into those same uh like fall into those same like pitfalls um just because like there's a decent amount of stuff in this that kind of looks like penises if I'm being honest (laughs) There's like, <laughs> watching the trailer and like scrolling down. There's like five things that look like penises, and I'm like, dude, 
you have to realize that like at one point in time in the trailer like the the little creature is like swimming and like jumping over these things that are like shooting water or something and for a second they kind of look like corn but they also kind of look like penises and i was like this is a penis game it definitely seems like it (laughs) i think they were whales (laughs) i don't know they look so weird they I, I hate to be the person to say they look like penises, but they so do. It's so weird. <laughs> um, but you guys could really, like, check out the demo for yourself. I do kind of feel bad for this team because at the bottom they have, like, risks and challenges. And they talk about, like, kind of, like, uh, they don't necessarily have any models of this game. Like, they're they're kind of just basing this game off of what they think it should be because games mm-hmm. like this haven't been made, like, in, like, 26 years. It, it's just not something that's that's been done recently. Um, and I definitely feel for them because this is, like, a really interesting concept and especially because it's, like, a 2D platformer. Um, but, yeah, there's there's a lot of weird shit with this game yeah i'm gonna oh, no. leave it at that <laughs> yeah that sounds like a good uh good place to end it on uh so for our uh kind of like our last thing that w- our last segment for the podcast we like to run you through the indie games releasing in any given week uh generally there's a lot and i've kind of like i I've started to narrow it down. I used to grab a bunch more, um, but I've mostly tried to focus on like the big list that comes out, lists that come out. So if you guys would like to, obviously you can always listen into our podcast, but if you'd like a full list of all the games coming out each and every week, uh, it's kind of hard to find. You have to go to like, uh, like I use vgreleaselist.com then like kotaku does the this week in games then the playstation blog has like uh, the drop there's there's so many so i'd recommend listening to this podcast because it makes it so much fucking easier for you guys (laughs) um so these indie games are releasing between december 16th and december 22nd um yeah, it's a, it's a big week for video games. Uh, so I have them sectioned out into their different platforms. So listen for your platform specifically if you want to know the indie games releasing on it. Uh, so for the first platform, we are going for multiple. Uh, these games release on several different platforms at the same time. Uh, so we've got Battle Princess Madeline is coming to PlayStation 4 and Switch Thursday, December 20th. Near, we did an episode near like the the seventh of uh, of December, um, and I had spoken about Battle Princess Madeline. It's it seems like its PlayStation Four and Switch launch was delayed until the twentieth, which is when it was initially supposed to release. And the Xbox One and PC versions of the game released uh, back like on the in the sixth and the seventh. Um, it's I, I feel bad for that team because it seems like they're having troubles with releasing the game. Um, I haven't played a lot of it yet, but within the next week, I will definitely be playing it, and I will give uh, give you guys my thoughts on it uh, in next week's podcast. Uh, but for the next game, we've got Sundered Eldritch Edition coming to Xbox One and Nintendo Switch on Friday, December 21st. Sundered looks really cool. I'm very, very excited to play that game. Uh, now we're moving on to PlayStation Vita. 
We've only got one game releasing on it this week, and that is Dreamwalker on PS Vita. Uh, comes out Tuesday, December 18th. Now for PS4, we've got Nippin Marathon coming uh, to PlayStation 4 Monday, December 17th. Beats Fever comes to PlayStation 4 Tuesday, December 18th. Cook Serve Delicious 2 is coming to PlayStation 4 uh, Tuesday, December 18th. Gun Club VR comes to PlayStation VR Tuesday, December 18th. Raised comes to PlayStation 4 Wednesday, December 19th. And VR Apocalypse comes to PlayStation VR Wednesday, December 19th. Now for the Xbox One releases. We've got Donut County comes to Xbox One Tuesday, December 18th. Nippin' Marathon comes to Xbox One Tuesday, December 18th. So that's one day after PS4. Suck it. Microsoft. <laughs> uh, Road Redemption comes to Xbox One Wednesday, December 19th. And As Divine Hearts 2, maybe? A- As Divine? As Divine? Whatever. Uh, As Divine Hearts 2 comes to Xbox One Friday, December 21st. Now for the Nintendo Switch releases, the first one I'm very excited about because I really like Campo Santo. Uh, Firewatch <laughs> is coming to Nintendo Switch Monday, December 17th, which by the time this posts, it's already out. Go pick it up. It's awesome. Uh, Hi- Hyper Ride Vector Raid is coming to Switch Monday, December 17th. Donut County is coming to Switch Tuesday, December 18th. Sheltered is coming to Switch Tuesday, December 18th. Awe is coming to Switch Thursday, December 20th. Cronus Arc is coming to Switch Thursday, December 20th. Uh, fuck. <laughs> Digger Ter- Diggarity? Uh, Diggerati? Uh, let's go to Diggerati. Diggerati Indie Bundle, Ink and uh, Hacky Zack. Dude, I hate people so much. Just title your game <laughs> something normal. Uh, is coming to Switch Thursday, December 20th. Guess the character is coming to Switch Thursday, December 20th. Uh, Leopoldo? Leopoldo? Manquisil? Maybe. Is coming to Switch Thursday, December 20th. <laughs> uh, Revertia? Revertia is coming to Switch Thursday, December 20th. The Keep is coming to Switch Thursday, December 20th. Vivette is coming to Switch Thursday, December 20th. Uh, I hate people so much. Why yeah, is there like 20 there's a of lot of really, There's a lot of really weird names. <laughs> games know. coming to the Switch. Coloro? Yeah, Coloro is coming to Switch Saturday, December 22nd. Mana Spark, which looks really fucking cool, uh, is coming to Switch Saturday, December 22nd. And last but not least, uh, Wondershot is coming to Switch uh, Saturday, December 22nd. And we've got two games coming to Windows PC um this is where it really shows this is not a complete list this is just some of the indie games because normally it's like way more on windows so for windows pc we've got bladed fury comes to windows pc tuesday december 18th and atlas is coming into early access uh on windows pc wednesday december 19th 
So now that we are at the end of the indie game release schedule for this week, uh, we like to pick out some indie games that we'd like to give a quick shout out to. Uh, I saw you highlighting Nippin' Marathon. Did you just think it looked <laughs> fucking amazing or something? Uh, I wouldn't exactly use those terms, but I thought it did look like a fun party game. Uh, it's it's really strange. It's basically um, a marathon. It's like people, like four people running but it's basically really wacky environments like one of them was like a spinning uh giant ring of burgers that you had to like run across what and it's yeah it's like it's basically you running through an obstacle course and it goes everywhere from like a normal just jumping over those you know that you would see in a marathon to like running through like giant walls that like some don't break through and some do and then the best part about it is all of your characters have like ragdoll physics. So you'll like run into obstacles and your body just kind of just goes like, and you just fly off to the side. Like it makes no sense the way collisions work. So it just looks really goofy. I have like a love hate relationship when it comes to ragdoll physics, uh, specifically because of like games like Red Dead Redemption and uh, well, Red Dead Redemption 2 specifically and like Breath of the Wild. Where, like, in Red Dead, you'd be, like, walking down, like, a, a little, like, ledge, and then you just fall and fucking, like, die yeah. in the most horrific ways. It's so weird. <laughs> Gotta be careful, man. Right? Apparently, you can die, like, it's, like, thousand ways to die in the West shit here. It's just, it's crazy. Uh, for the games that I wanted to talk about, obviously, I talked about how amazing Firewatch is. Fucking play it. It's so good. It's on the Nintendo Switch. You can get it on PS4. Pretty sure you can get it on Xbox One and PC. It's good. But for That's the true. other game I wanted to talk about, I want to talk about Mana Spark. Uh, Mana Spark looks really, really cool. Uh, their Steam page has its description as a challenging action RPG with deep Souls-like combat and roguelike elements. Explore a dread, uh, a dreadful dungeon and fight smart enemies that will plan on and collaborate between themselves to defeat you. I think that's so cool if that's actually what happens. If, like, uh, they learn from you, sim- uh, similar to, like, how uh, Hello Neighbor, your your neighbor actually learns, um, like, every time you, you end up doing something. So the next time you can't actually do it the exact same way. Right. I hope that Mana Spark has something similar to that. Um, it seems very cheap. If it's launching at the same price uh, on the Switch that it did on Steam, I might actually buy it. Um, it's like nine ninety nine on Steam. That's mm-hmm. this game looks awesome, um, and it's that's a very low price to pay for a pretty sweet game. Um, but of course, I would always advise reading or watching some reviews on games. Um, because <laughs> yeah, it's. it's there are a lot of bad games out there. <laughs> it, it reminds me a little of Enter the Gungeon. Yeah, it looks a lot like Enter the Gungeon. I'm, I'm not going to be good at this game by any means, um, but I think it looks really cool. Uh, it's it's a heavily skill-based action RPG, which is probably one of the coolest things I've ever heard. I don't know why. It's, it's I just... I don't know. I really just like like skill based stuff, even though I'm so bad at it. I I really just like that. Uh, I like that base kind of a thing. Like if you're good at it, you could be really good at it, and I, yeah. I think that's awesome. 
That's that's why I like uh, certain MMOs where it's like if you're good at combat, you can just like destroy. It, it's not about like leveling; it's about being good at it. And I think right. that's really awesome. Well, maybe something to pick up. Yeah, for ten bucks, hell yeah. Um, also pick up Firewatch, guys. It's really good. Pick it up. I really like it. There's maybe a Sasquatch in it. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> Uh, so now I would like to ask Josh a random question. I started this a little while ago and I wanted it to be a way for us to get to know each other. Uh, and it's gotten weird. Yeah. It, in my interview with Mario, I asked him, uh, what his weirdest fear was and it definitely threw him off. He was not expecting it. I thought it was hilarious. (laughs) It did, yeah. It it went to some interesting places. I definitely recommend uh, listening to that interview. Uh, just just watch out for it when it comes up. But for today's uh, today's random question, I wanted to ask you a question that feel free to not answer. And I don't mean this to be offensive to anybody, especially when you hear my answers to the question. Uh, but I want to find. I want to ask you about the things like the the weird things that you find unattractive um and i'm not asking like oh you you find like people's cleanliness unattractive or or whatever i'm asking the weird shit so it's something that wouldn't just like it would be normal to other people like oh that that's just something that people do kind of a thing but it's weird to you like you find it odd so to give you a little context it's been very well known in my group of friends that I don't like big shoes. I think big shoes are fucking dumb. And I find them really unattractive. So, like, let's say you see a really pretty person. I would be like, oh, yeah, they're, like, super pretty. But for some reason, I like, my brain immediately vetoes them if they're wearing some fat DC shoes. They're just so ugly. I hate them so much. Or like dumb hats. I hate hats just kind of in general. Um, other than just like the normal like baseball cap. I think hats are pretty fucking dumb. And I really hate hats. Uh, so yeah. That's, that's my weird things that I find unattractive. What would be yours, Josh? Please feel free to offend people, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Big shoes. You must hate Kingdom Hearts, then. I fucking do. What is up with their stupid-ass big shoes, dude? Why? Why do they all have gigantic feet? I understand it's like an artistic choice, but no. Stop. Feet. You know what they say about big feet? Big shoes, yeah. I've heard about that. Savon hates them. Yeah, dude. I fucking hate him. Or like (laughs) just a random tangent. Have you ever played Destiny or Destiny 2? Uh, no, I haven't actually. Okay, well, yeah, you might not need to. Uh, so (laughs) Okay. (laughs) To to understand this, you won't need to. Uh Destiny has the exact opposite option uh, issue where instead of having really big stuff, like the Titan model has really small hands, but their whole body (laughs) is massive but they have these tiny baby hands kind of like donald trump like they have yeah, really small hands <laughs> you got big hands all right some of the biggest hands you've ever seen i yeah i don't have big hands i have like 
average size hands for my body, but my head is really big, so I really shouldn't be talking about like big shit. Maybe that's why I hate hats so much, is because I can't wear hats. Maybe that's mm. why. So, Maybe. so what are your weird things, Josh? Feel free to enlighten uh, me. <laughs> God, I wish I wish we knew what the question was before the show, so I could actually think about it. Um, it's so much I mean, funnier only... to get it right off the cuff, or I'd never get. I'm afraid of getting stabbed in the eyeball by umbrellas. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, the only thing that's coming to mind right now is uh, is actually earrings. So just any kind. I'm almost any kind. I'm very particular. I just detest like, oh, they especially hoop earrings. I cannot stand them. If a girl is wearing them, I just she could be the prettiest. The minute she wears those, I cannot stand her. That's crazy. I know. I don't. I'm very particular. Like my wife, she has uh, like some of the same earrings she wears all the time, and I'm very okay with those. And then every once in a while, she'll like she's going to a fancy thing, she'll put on earrings, and I'll like look at her and I'll be like, (sighs) and she'll be like, "You don't like the earrings?" And I was like, "No." And she's like, "Well, too bad." Just look (laughs) at her like, like, (laughs) like stop that. What's wrong with your face? (laughs) I like how I'm like. I'm not judging you for your thing, but I love how I'm like, that's weird. And now yeah, I'm fucking yeah. talking about big shoes and stupid hats. <laughs> wow. Well, what I, are you going to do? Yeah, right? Well, what are you going to do? Not wear big shoes. That's what you're going to do. Fucking stop, people. Stop. Fucking <laughs> let Echo Unlimited and DC go out of business. Those shoes are stupid. Like, what are you wearing? <laughs> fucking Heelys? That's the only acceptable option if you're hiding a wheel in your shoe. <laughs> I still don't think that's acceptable, but okay. <laughs> well, I hope our listeners learned a little odd uh, thing about us this week, or just kind of a bunch of odd things. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Maybe. You never know. Uh, that's it for this episode of the Indie Incursion Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have, you, you can uh, chat with me outside of the show at Hyde Legion, and you can hit Josh up at the underscore George 90. Did I get that correct? You did. Boom, Good dude. job. Suck it. We still I don't think I don't think we'll ever find out what Alex's Twitter handle is. I honestly don't know it. Um if he ever comes back to us. Yeah, dude. I'm gonna like I'll extort him. <laughs> you could blame it all on me. Yeah. Yeah, it is probably <laughs> Yeah, it is. I, I made fun of him for his like licorice his hatred of liquor is she's like fuck you guys you scared him off <laughs> you see what you did at least he doesn't have to deal with my random questions i guess that's true that's good yeah. for him he he got out while the getting was good you know what i mean <sighs> smart boy <laughs> well thank you guys so much for listening uh yeah i make listen listen to my fucking interview guys it's really good i like it and play firewatch it's a good game <laughs> bye guys